Welcome to the Manly Pinterest Tip Show. Show. A show designed to assist man in his quest to succeed on Pinterest. If you have interests in the content you want to share, content you want your clients to see, learn ways to grow and succeed in this unique and exciting world, one man will assist you on your journey. To become a pinner and grow your presence online, men and women can share in the success. And here to show you how is your host, is your host Jeff C. Adding testosterone, one pin at a time. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Manly Pinterest Tips Podcast. I'm Jeff C., and you're not. Very excited to welcome today's guest, Rebecca Redice, as we talk about building your brand with Pinterest. Rebecca is a social media strategist, consultant, trainer, and a digital marketing specialist. She is also the author of How to Use Social Media to Virtually Crush the Competition. She's headed social media campaigns for companies like Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate and has been actively involved in the marketing industry for over 17 years. Now, this interview is from a live Hangout on Air that I did with Rebecca, where our live audience participated by asking questions during the interview. If you'd like to be a part of one of our live shows, make sure to head over to manlypinterestips.com and join our email community to find out how you can be a part of our live show. So without any more delays, here's my interview with Rebecca Redice. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to finally be on. Oh, it's great. I'm so, um, yeah, it's, um, you and Peg are kind of like, you know, my bucket list. So we can shut the show down now and we'll be done. <laughs> well, well, the next time then it'll have to be both of us. That's right. That will be, that would be a lot of fun. That would be yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, except that we might have to extend the time. I don't know that 30 minutes would do us justice. That's right. We would probably, uh, yeah, it would go over the 30 minutes sh- uh, slot for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, I w- I want to invite the people who are watching our live audience. If you have questions while I'm talking with Rebecca, go ahead and enter them in the comments field, and we'll try to get to them during the show today. And we'd also like it if you would go head over to mainlypinteresttips.com and subscribe to our email community. That way you'll never miss out on when a great guest is coming like Rebecca, and we'll kind of keep you up to date on all what's happening with the show. So anyway, let's jump right into the questions. Rebecca, I know that you've been involved for marketing for a while now. Um, can you kind of tell us a little bit of your backstory and how you got involved with social media? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting story. I think like all of us, we all have our own journey of somehow getting to social media. Um, and for me, most of mine um, has been within the real estate industry. You men- uh, mentioned in the news, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. Uh, and so I've been in and around uh, the real estate industry for going on 20 years, that seems like a long time, quite a while. Um, And most of that was with a focus on marketing. Um, Of course, at the time, uh, it was all offline marketing. Um, So just your your traditional marketing. And uh, as soon as blogging really came around, which was, you know, social media at the time, it was really our only way to communicate and interact. Um, I saw that as a huge opportunity and really started to dip my toe into it just for me personally to get a feel and quickly recognized what a powerful way it was going to be for uh, clients to be able 
to really expand their business beyond those traditional limitations of marketing. And uh, so for me, my first blog I started was in uh, right around 2004 uh, and then dove into social media from there. Actually, Twitter um, was my first love, uh, really where um, I, I, I got most of my experience, I think. And it was just an exciting time, you know, when you all of a sudden realized that you had access to people you'd never had access before, you could interact with people. Uh, so it, it was just really exciting for me to see uh, how that could benefit a business like mine or like any of my clients. And so from there, uh, it was really just diving in and learning absolutely everything I could uh, and figuring out how to help people, which is exactly what I do now, transition an established offline brand and turn that uh, really into viable online currency because I, I recognized, and of course I still think it's a challenge today, that most businesses, there's that, that tug of war of, well, how do I take what I've been doing, what I've established offline, uh, and translate that online? And so I really come in and assist people uh, in, in not only wrapping their heads around it, but also helping them understand how they can take everything that they've built throughout the years and turn that into something that allows them to connect to a whole new audience. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Well, today, you know, we want to talk about building your brand with Pinterest. And, you know, let's kind of break down and talk about what branding is real quick. You know, a lot of, I think, small businesses and companies think, well, branding is just a logo. You know, I see Coca-Cola and that's what I, you know, I see their logo. That's branding to me. So how would you define branding? Branding really tells your story. So to me, um, it's it's a dot connector. It connects the dots between your company message, uh, between your mission, your vision, and your values. So it's really allowing um, you to clearly express your message. Um, I think uh, a great brand confirms your credibility. I think it really connects you, uh, your business, um, very emotionally to your potential prospects. So there's a lot that it does that should motivate your buyers. Um, but, you know, obviously, as you said, there's so much more than what you see is kind of that end result of a Coca-Cola or a Better Homes and Gardens. Right. Um, you know, there's there's that ability to really connect people to you. As I said, my business partner and I joke all the time that we must have been really good as kids at connecting the dots because that's exactly what we help people do, uh, both online and offline. Gotcha. Well, um, you know, I, I did a bunch of research and I went back and I read a ton more stuff on your on your blog, which is a great resource for anybody who's interested in that. And I'll make sure your link is in uh, the show notes. But one of the things you mentioned quite a bit in your articles is not to really speak to everyone, to really kind of niche down to know your audience. So how does a business do that with their branding? I mean, because your branding is not going to be successful unless you really know your audience, I assume. Oh, sure. Yeah, it definitely does come down to uh, getting inside the head of your target audience. And uh, you said it, if, if you're speaking to everyone, you're really speaking to no one. So it's really understanding 
who your target audience is, what are their needs, what do they deal with on a daily basis. Um, you know, for example, if uh, your target audience is moms, well, I think you've got to get a lot more nichier than that. Is it moms of teenagers? Is it moms of uh, toddlers? Because obviously the challenges that they face on a daily basis are going to be significantly different from one to the other. So it's really, really critical um, before you dive into uh, the whole branding aspect is to understand who is that market, what do they need from you, what problems do you solve, uh, and then how can you provide those solutions on a daily basis. Uh, and then you've got to take that and you've got to translate that across everything you do. So everything from uh, your blog, from your content, uh, all the way across your social media and keep that message um, very consistent. So no matter where they're finding you, no matter where they're connecting with you, they're seeing, they're seeing, they're feeling uh, that, that same emotion, they're connecting with you on that same level. Gotcha, good points. Well, you know, great images, and we've talked about this before, are, are what Pinterest is all about. I mean, it's built on images. So how long did it, take, did, it, did it take you to come up with the look and feel of your branding, you know, especially on Pinterest? Because everybody knows a Rebecca Radice post when they see it. I mean, it's, they know it's from you, and they know it's who, who the author is. Well, you know, it is a, a constant evolution for me. Um, I am a true type A personality, so I am never satisfied, uh, it, which can be a good thing, bad thing. Um, for me, it's, you know, everything is very fluid, obviously, within social media, and I think you do have to constantly be evolving uh, because the needs of your potential clients, those consumers, are constantly evolving. Uh, and so, you know, it's always taking a look at what could I do better? What could I have done differently? Um, how could I expand upon something? How could I make it easier? Uh, whatever the case might be. So it probably took me, oh gosh, a good year uh, to really nail down what felt like me. Um, and when I say that, you know, it's everything from my color scheme, which I, I've talked about it before, but I had so many people telling me, oh, orange is not a great color to go with. It's, right, right. You know, it's off-putting, it's overwhelming to a lot of people, which I have had the exact opposite response. And it's always been one of my absolute favorite colors. It's just very vibrant. It felt uh, like a true reflection of my personality to me. And so it was identifying that, figuring out my fonts, and so many other things that go into your branding. Um, but like I said, probably took me a good, a good year to really define it. Um, and then it's, uh, you'll see, Jeff, I'm sure you've noticed, you know, I'm always testing things, always trying something new out, uh, just to see if it works, how it feels, uh, and obviously how people respond to it, how, you know, it connects with my audience. Right. Well, I, yeah, we'll talk about more about that testing later because I don't want give to give that up real quick. But I, wanna, I wanted to bring up a question from uh, Mike Alton, and he says, Rebecca has a fantastic, consistent look, which is true. We talked about what are some tips to helping other businesses achieve that? So how, when you go into another business, how do you help them kind of do what you do and see their, their personality in their branding? 
Well, and you know, that's huge praise coming from Mike, who I would totally agree has done just a fantastic job in nailing down his brand, both for Mike Alton, but also the social media hats. Uh, and it can be, it can be a real struggle, especially when um, you are the brand, which Jeff, you definitely are, you've branded yourself. Um, and then translating that over into uh, a corporation or a business. And I think first of all, it's identifying who are you at the core? Cause you gotta be true to yourself, right? right. You got, you've got to feel uh, authentic. So it's figuring out, are you fun? Are you playful? Are you serious? And how does that translate across social media? Um, and, and it's it's really walking people through an entire process of you know what colors resonate with you, um, what colors really feel as if they're a true reflection of your brand personality, uh, so much of that is understanding what is your mission, um, what is at the core of your business when you talk about uh, you know, what you do, how you help people, what that elevator pitch is, right. um, what does that look like to you? Is it flowery? Is it, is it, uh, is it exciting? Or um, is it very consistent in your messaging? And is it very straightforward? Uh, obviously, uh, you know, working with uh, a local baker as opposed to maybe a, a local attorney is going to be very different. That attorney is going to be more straightforward, very uh, consistent in their verbiage, in the way that they're positioning their content, whereas a baker, which of course this ties right into Pinterest, um, is is probably going to have a little bit more fun with those cupcakes or those chocolates or whatever it is that they're right, cooking up right. for the day. So it's it's really helping people understand who are you because if. If you're trying to be somebody that you're not, uh, it's not sustainable. You're not going to have fun with it. You're not going to be able to keep that up. So it's, it, you know, again, I think it's really figuring out how to maintain that brand personality that you've created offline uh, and just take that and carry it through uh, into everything you're doing online. Very, very cool. Now, do you worry, I mean, I know you, you mentioned you test things all the time, and it took you about a year to figure out kind of the, the way you wanted to go. Do you ever worry that, you know, you're, you're ever pigeonholing yourself in the way your brand looks? And, you know, how long do you wait before tweaking? I mean, you don't want to be, you know, tweaking something every day. You want to give it time to see the results. So how often do you, what's the time frame between when you adjust something? You know, it, it, I don't know that there's a set time frame. Um, it, it's really just paying attention, paying attention to uh, your analytics, obviously, paying attention to how things are performing, how they're resonating, um, and, and then adding in maybe one new element here and there. You can't get crazy uh, in just changing things completely, or you're gonna you're gonna have a really tough time identifying exactly what's working and what's not. So I will just test and I use myself as a testing ground to really get a better handle uh, for clients on um, what are some new ways, some new strategies, some new, new different, you know, maybe a different way of positioning something, a different way uh, of saying something uh, or relating an idea. So I, 
I try to uh, keep it, like I said, down to maybe just one new way of doing something. Um, but so it could be subtle or it could be a pretty significant change. Um, but I definitely don't have a set time. It's okay. really just uh, me taking a look at how things are performing and then going with my gut, which I do a lot on my own stuff, right. of just really figuring out. I, I pride myself in being really in tune with my audience. And I think that, ha you know, mostly comes from having a very uh, deep connection, uh, really taking um, uh, an, a true interest in what the needs of my audience are. And so I really pay attention to what I've shared, when I've shared it, how I'm sharing it, um, to see is it something that's really interesting to them or uh, is it something that, you know, probably hit the wall with a, a big loud thud as I was just tossing <laughs> things at the wall seeing if they were Working. So, you know, there's there's certainly ways to track this stuff with all of the measurement tools that we have available. But I think a lot of it too is just really going with your gut. Gotcha. And and I think that's important is not being afraid to try new things. Um, one of the things I know both you and Peg Fitzpatrick do really really well together is that you cross pollinate your brand across different social media platforms. However, you know. Like when you share a Pinterest pin or something, you know, you may change it up a little bit and share it on Facebook or something like that. But your branding is always consistent. Um, how do, how do you do that? What's the best way? What's the best practice to keep your brand uh, consistent? Do you have a style sheet that you use that you can hand to somebody, or how do you keep your brand consistent across different platforms? Yeah, it's definitely having a brand style guide, and that can be very simple, um, As and especially for people that are working with virtual assistants or do have an assistant um, that's helping with the development or creation of uh, any of your graphics um, or any of your content for that matter, making sure that they know uh, what your guidelines are. So everything from uh, your, your, uh, you know, your color scheme, so your color palette to uh, the acceptable fonts to all the way to, which of course at the brand level is a, always a big concern, um, your logo placement. So where does your logo have to fit in on any given design? Um, so I think it can be as simple as for small businesses just outlining those things. What are those um, images that you uh, are very comfortable with? Uh, what are um, big no-nos? You know, so big things to stay away from, things that you won't be happy with, verbiage, things of that nature. So it's really training somebody, helping somebody understand um, what the do's and don'ts of your brand are. And if you're doing it for yourself, I think it's just really writing those down, taking yourself through that whole process of understanding, um, first of all, to me, it all begins and ends with what your online hub is, which is your website and your blog, right. uh, and then extending out from there. So what's your color scheme? What's that, that color palette going to look like for all of your designs? But yes, you definitely, you want to have that in place. Otherwise, unfortunately, it's hit or miss every single time. And right. um, of course, you know, Peg, uh, working with Canva, that is a phenomenal tool to be able to create a whole lot of templates. Uh, right. I've talked a little bit about this, and I'll just hit on it real quickly. I use Photoshop for most of my stuff, um, but Canva is fantastic 
when I need to, you know, quickly maybe translate something to a different size, be it for Pinterest or Twitter, whatever that graphic might be, they've got all of those pre-created in there. So if you know your color palette and your, uh, you know, your hex code, whatever it is, um, you can just quickly pop those in there and turn something into a branded image in a matter of seconds. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's a real good point is, you know, using Canva as a tool like that, you know, to do something really quickly. So um, we've got another question here from uh, Nazim. Let me pull that up real quick. It's how hard is it for major brands to tackle social media engagement? Is it harder than smaller scale companies? That is a great question, and my answer is probably different than a lot of other people's. Having worked at the brand level, I would say it's uh, almost exactly the same. Um, because, uh, and, and where people go, I think, sideways a little bit is not understanding that no matter if you're a big company or a small company, you're all talking to people. People are all the same. Um, and if you can help create that persona for your brand at the brand level, just as you're going to do for a smaller company, if you can help people understand that there's a human being behind that brand, that there's a person that actually cares about them, there's a person that's actually interacting, um, that's asking questions, that's truly taking an interest uh, in, in solving those problems that we've talked about, um, then it's all the same. You know, once you figure that out, once you figure out how to have a conversation with people, uh, then the content becomes terribly easy because they tell you what they want they tell you exactly what they're looking for um, and and then you just start to almost mimic yourself because you're creating that brand voice that persona like I said um, it's really just understanding who is that person that you're talking to um, and then giving them what they're looking for every single day and where like I said you know where I think people get a little sideways in their thinking is thinking oh this is a brand I'm speaking for a big brand and certainly that's a, an enormous responsibility um, that you have to be very very careful everything you do and say is in line with the mission um, of that brand of course you're speaking on behalf of uh, a large corporation and you're gonna have your limits Limitations, but I think with the right marketing team, you can see what some of these companies are doing out there. Sprout Social is always one I use as a great example. Right. Um, that from the, the brand level, they're doing just a phenomenal job, not only speaking uh, to those, those followers or fans, wherever they might be connecting with people, but also listening and really monitoring and paying attention uh, to what the needs of people are. So they're meeting those in real time. Um, so, you know, just to come full circle to me, uh, while there's a difference in, in how you're managing everything and the volume of how you're managing everything, if you pay attention um, to what Peg's doing uh, with both Canva and Guy Kawasaki, um, she's she's talking from the heart. You know, she's just talking uh, as if you were talking to Peg on a daily basis. Um, and so what she has done is taken all that that fun, uh, that goodness, that uniqueness about those two different brands, but put her own unique spin on it. And I think that's what has to happen. And I think once you figure out how to do that, whether you're a small company or a large company, things change monumentally in the conversations that you start to have. 
That's awesome. That's good advice. And I think that goes back to your other point about when you're talking about having a style sheet. And I know when people hear that, they, they think, oh, I got one more thing I have to do. But that saves you time later so you can engage with your people. You don't have to worry exactly. about your brand. And so I think that was a good point that you made. Um, I also want to go back to testing real quick because I've noticed, and I probably caught you right in the middle of testing stuff, is that you know, sometimes on Pinterest, you had been sharing you know, a long uh, portrait size image, and now it seems you're going back to kind of like the horizontal image for some of your blog posts. So um, is that something you're, you're testing right now, or is there a reason behind that? Because I know that's one question I always get is, you know, what's the optimal size on Pinterest? Yeah, and, and you know, it is interesting because the taller images have outperformed far and away um, and just about everything else. And then I started to test it out simply because I wanted to see if I could create an image that would translate rather effortlessly from uh, Facebook over, you know, to Twitter, to Pinterest. Um, and that's working really, really well. Okay. Uh, and and so I'm, I'm kind of testing them side by side. But I think the key is, is really keeping your branding consistent because, as you said, what you want to make sure is people instantly identify that that's your brand, whether you're creating, you know, a taller image, which, you know, whether it's an 800 by 1200, which Peg and I talk about a lot, right. um, or, a, you know, a larger, maybe 1,000 by 1,000 image uh, that translates really well um, to both Twitter and over to Facebook. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's keeping that consistency, but what I was looking for was an easier way for clients uh, to still get some traction off of their pins, but not have to put quite as much time into the creation of multiple different versions of, of those images. Yeah, and that's what I figured that you were testing something because uh, I know, you know everybody usually tests on themselves before they test on their clients. So Absolutely. <laughs> we're always the <laughs> test ground. That's right. Um, let's talk real quick to the bloggers here because I know there's a lot of bloggers uh, using Pinterest and using it successfully to drive traffic back to their, their uh, content. Um, and, you know, images are very important. We know that's the most important thing on Pinterest. But, you know, the title that you put on that image is probably a close second. Do you do anything specifically to brand your titles, uh, like other than the font um, for on your pins that you put out there on Pinterest? Uh, you know, it's I, I, I guess the font would probably be the biggest thing because it's it's using a font that's easy to read. Right. Uh, as we know, people are scrolling quickly; they're going through those pins rather fast. Um, for me, it's usually on my iPad, so you're just right. kind of scrolling, um, and you want to make sure that the color as well as the font is very clear. There's not a lot of activity going on there, um, and your point. Uh, is is easy to understand. So I think those are are the key aspects. Sometimes um, we can try to get too creative, almost outcreate ourselves right. in trying to add you know multiple different visuals or uh, trying to have one big visual and then put you know some some words over that and it's hard to read um, right. so really check the readability of your pen and you have to look at it um, from a mobile user obviously because I think the majority of people are probably on Pinterest and I don't know you I'm sure you've seen the stats more than I have um, the recent stats but I would imagine that the majority of people are accessing Pinterest you know through mobile 
Yeah, they. Are, I mean, that, I think it's the, but that and tablets are, are huge on Pinterest, and that's the one thing you know I would recommend to listeners and watchers is be careful of those thin fonts because you get it on an iPhone because people still use those iPhones and you can't read what the title is to you want what you want to click have people click on and go to your your website and read because it's unreadable on your uh, mobile device. So I think that's yeah. a great point is to watch those you know skinny fonts that you can't see and. Or the flowery ones, yeah. the, the ones that it, it can be equally as hard to read. You just want to make it super, super simple for people to know that that's your pen, um, to know exactly what the point of it is, and don't give them a reason to hesitate on clicking and then clicking through. Right. I had to stop using flowery fonts a long time ago. So. <laughs> you? Flowery fonts? No, I don't no, see it. No, no didn't happen. Um, a couple other points I want to ask specifically on Pinterest. You know, you talk about social listening a lot, that it's important for you to understand your audience and, and, and building your brand is to, you know, listen to your audience. So I know a lot of people and a lot of brands will go and, and check what their followers are pinning and see what they're liking and stuff like that. Do you do that as well on Pinterest? Do you go and see what your, your followers are doing? Absolutely. And and I look at my competition, too. I think you really have to pay close attention to what is your competition doing well, um, where there, there are some gaps within their marketing uh, on Pinterest that you could really tap into. Um, it's a great way, too, to see how they're interacting um, with their audience, with their followers on Pinterest. What kind of content are they sharing? What kind of traction are they getting? Um, how many repins are they getting? How many likes? Um, are they getting comments? And if so, is anybody commenting back? So is anybody actually listening? But yeah, I think, I think it's a, a great rule of thumb to pay close attention to uh, people within your industry, but also, as you said, potential clients, prospects, consumers, people that are act out there actively looking for what that product or services that you've got to offer. So do, doing a lot of your due diligence up front, um, I think this goes back to what we talked about too, which is understanding uh, who your target audience is, but doing that due diligence up front and then consistently staying on top of it is going to save you a lot of heartache down the road. Right. Right. Uh, another question about Pinterest. We only got a couple more, and, and then we'll wrap up. But how important do you think group boards are in in building your brand? Do you, do you recommend like a new user to create one right away, or should they join a couple first? What are your thoughts on group boards on Pinterest? I think they can be fantastic. I think they can be a great way to extend your brand, um, to really uh, gain reach in a way that you wouldn't have the ability to do, especially if uh, you do connect with somebody that has uh, a, a pretty active board that people are actively sharing, getting a lot of repins. Um, it, it, it is. It's a terrific way to really start to establish yourself, establish credibility, uh, gain some traction, as I said, um, really start to gain some additional views. Um, starting your own group board right out of the gate, I don't know that that's necessarily the smartest way to start. I think you'd probably be better off uh, joining a couple of other boards if you can, uh, really figuring out who those people are. That was the way I started out. 
Um, and it was far and away the best decision because they already had uh, some, you know, they already had some established other pinners that were a part of that group. They were already pinning some really phenomenal stuff. And as we all know, it, it definitely comes down to the quality of pins. So if you uh, are a part of a group board and, and so you have to choose wisely, um, that is posting a lot of spammy type uh, content. Um, not going to be a benefit to you whatsoever. So really pay attention to those group boards, and I'd be pretty picky, you know. Maybe just pick one, two to start with. Right. Very good. Good points. Um, this is – we're getting down to the, the wire here, but I wanted to ask this because I see brands doing this a lot. You know, user-generated content is a lot of – a lot of big brands are using it. Um, but what about a small business? Let's say, you know, because you come from the uh, real, real estate background, what could a, a realtor do – to have user-generated content on Pinterest. What are some ideas that you might suggest to them? Oh, wow. There are so many different ways to use that, especially on the real estate side. It could be anything from uh, asking your most recent closing. So somebody uh, just purchased a home, closed on their home, um, share their pictures from their brand new home on moving day. They could share uh, a video of the kids, you know, moving into their bedroom for the first time or uh, playing within the playroom for the first time. Um, so there's just a ton of different ways you can get people within that sales cycle or at the end of it, which would be that case, that are just super excited. They are in love with your business. Um, they have truly become brand advocates, raving fans, as we all know them to be, um, and capture that excitement, that enthusiasm and get them to share. So back to, you know, you're a local bakery and somebody uh, just purchased, you know, a dozen cupcakes for their kids' uh, piano recital. And they absolutely loved them, raved about them, come in to tell you, um, ask them, you know, go share, go share that picture of uh, all of the kids enjoying those cupcakes, share that vine, share that hyperlapse, you know, whatever it is, um, and get them involved in actively sharing those moments within their life um, that connect them to your brand. Because you can be willing to bet that if they're excited about your brand, there's other people that are out there equally as excited. They just don't know how to show it. They right. don't know where, you know, where you'd like them to connect. So you do definitely have to tell people how to interact with you. You have to train uh, people in a way how to interact and engage with your business. And Pinterest is no different than you know Facebook or Google Plus or Twitter. Uh, it's helping them understand. So maybe creating a board uh, that's specifically for um, customers that have taken part in a survey or a study that your business did, or were a past client, um, or you know, in a realtor's case, uh, are buying a home. Uh, through through your business, so it's just figuring out, you know, what is it that people love about your business, and how can you harness that, and how can you translate that into just some amazing graphics um, that tell tell the story about your business in a way that you could you could never do, because as we know, third party edification, there's just really nothing better than than pulling those people in and letting them tell your story. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think, you know, especially from the realtor angle, instead of just slapping your listing up on Pinterest, try to think creatively. Like all those examples you gave of, you know, the excitement and, sh and sharing that joy of a new home, I think people just 
don't think about that stuff. And, and if they can really get outside of their box and think creatively, I think that that's huge and that's what customers want to see. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then it gives them an outlet to say, oh my gosh, you know, that's exactly what I love about that company or that person or that brand. And all of a sudden, uh, you've got, you know, just this little mini marketing army out there that's helping you uh, really extend your brand in a way, like I said, that you could have never thought possible, nor maybe your budget could ever make it a possibility. So it's great word of mouth. Right, right. Okay, this is the last question. I ask this to everybody who's been on the show. So what what was one of the biggest mistakes you made when you first started to brand yourself uh, as in your business? Not being clear. Uh, not being clear on who I was talking to, which is probably why you hear me talk about it so much. Right. Um, I was... Uh, I've gone through a lot of transitions, as I've talked about a little bit, you know, from uh, the real estate background, even further behind that, I was uh, in radio, did morning radio for nearly 10 years. Um, So I have my hand in a lot of different verticals. And so for me, it was really figuring out who am I talking to? What problems am I solving? Uh, and, and then how am I going to make an impact within that market based off of my content? So it, it was really getting clear, and I'll tell you what, Peg was phenomenal. Um, we've really helped each other in that sense walk through what our process is. Uh, you do a, a lot of times meet an outsider to be able to come in uh, and first and foremost hold up that mirror of truth and be able to say, uh, I'm not so sure that what you're saying and what you know is really out there are in alignment. Right. Um, so tell you the hardcore truth. Um, and, and then also help you work through that process of, okay, so if this isn't really who I am, then what does that look like? Uh, right. So you do, I, you know, I think you need to find somebody that uh, uh, you trust um, and that they truly appreciate who you are and what you're putting out there. Um, but we'll look at it with a critical eye and, do, you know, doesn't have a problem giving you those, whole, those hard, cold facts. Um, and not mince words. Uh, so for me, it was not being clear uh, right out of the gate, which I think really hurt me um, because I, I, I limped along, in my opinion, for a little while, uh, trying to be everything to everybody and trying to reach all these different verticals instead of just speaking to you know whoever that is. Is it a small business owner? Is it an entrepreneur? Is it at the enterprise level? So again, going back to just really figuring out who was I talking to? Oh, those are all great points. All great points. So Rebecca, where can we find out more about you? I have a link to your blog in the show notes, but is, is that the best place? Where should we find uh, more information about you? Well, obviously right here on Google+. Plus, um, and, and I know that this is a podcast as well. So for those that are listening and not watching, uh, definitely my website, which is RebeccaRadice.com. Um, and then across social media, anywhere you can find me at Rebecca Radice, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here, Rebecca. You know, it's a great conversation. I think we can talk about it for another half hour, but we've got to wrap it up. And as always, I'd love for anybody who's watching or listening to go to mainlypinteresttips.com. Click on the sidebar and subscribe to our email community so you'll never miss out on a great guest like Rebecca. And because we're always adding testosterone one pin at a time. See you guys next time. Thanks, thanks a bunch. Bye. Thanks, Jeff. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for joining Jeff on his mission to help you be successful in the Pinterest world. Would you like to take part in a live show? Be sure to join Jeff's email community at manlypinteresttips.com. Adding testosterone. One pin at a time.